0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations, and our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to jump into this message this morning, and we're, we're, in, a, we're in week two of a pre-Easter, all the way up to Easter uh, series called Crosswords. And we're just taking the seven things that Jesus said from the cross, so we won't hit all seven of them, and just what is he trying to show us and teach us, because he's preaching to us, even from a cross. And uh, we began last week, and uh, we started off with probably the most famous saying that Jesus ever said from the cross was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. So today, let's jump jump in. I want to go back to our foundational passage. I want to go to Luke chapter 23. Verses 32 through 43. I'm going to read a little bit. Just kind of follow along with me. And when you see yellow, what do you do? You read it out loud with me. All right, watch this. Uh, The guards led away two criminals with Jesus to execute all three at the same time. And when they came to the place that is known as the skull, the guards crucified Jesus, nailing him to the center of the cross between the two criminals. While they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over again. This was our message last week. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And and that's so key. Last week we talked about forgiveness. And though we received it freely, we need to give it freely. And though it's hard to do, uh, forgiveness is not an easy thing. It's a hard thing. And that's why sometimes forgiving isn't a one-time thing, but it's a process. You can go get the message from last week. Watch this. The soldiers, after they crucified him, gambled over his clothing. A great crowd gathered to watch what was happening. The religious leaders sneered at Jesus and mocked him, saying, Look at this man. What kind of chosen Messiah is this? He pretended to save others, but he can't even save himself. The soldiers joined in the mockery, offering Jesus a drink of vinegar. I'll talk about that in a moment. Over Jesus' head on the cross was written an inscription in Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. This man is the king of the Jews. And all the soldiers laughed and scoffed at him, saying, Hey, if you're the king of Jews, why don't you save yourself? One of the criminals hanging on the cross next to Jesus also kept ridiculing him, saying, What kind of Messiah are you? Save yourself and save us from this death. The criminal hanging on the other side rebuked him, the man, saying, Don't you fear God. You're about to die. Listen to these words. We deserve to be condemned. We're just being repaid for what we've done. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Then he said, I beg of you, Jesus, criminal on the cross, I beg of you, Jesus, show me grace and take me with you into your everlasting kingdom. And Jesus responded, I promise you this very day you will enter paradise with me. Now, I want you you to think about this. Jesus was beaten by Roman soldiers, betrayed by his disciples, belittled by religious leaders, and even badgered by one of the criminals on the cross. And yet he would suffer alone. In between heaven and earth, Jesus is suffering To pay for the sins of the world. This is important. This is one of my favorite messages because this is really a message on grace. To pay for my yesterday's sins. Everybody say yesterday. If you're here today and you've been born again, you've invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you're following him, that all your yesterday has been forgiven. Can we give God all the praise? Thank you, Lord. It's forgotten. He remembers it no more. Your wife may remember it, but Jesus doesn't. Oh, by the way, wife, if you keep bringing it up, you're not acting like Jesus. You're acting like the accuser of the brethren. My yesterday has been forgiven. Not just my yesterday, though, for today. I've got grace for today. I need grace for today. And not only for yesterday, not only for today, but also for tomorrow. Oh, you're not perfect. Uh, is this the right church? Because you ain't perfect. You ain't all that. You may walk up into our church on Sunday morning, praise the Lord, bless you, praise the Lord, you know, praise God. You got all your sayings down, right? God said it, I believe it, that sells it. You got everything down. I'm happy, holy, holy, whatever, I don't know. You, you got all the sayings down. You got the mottos down. But you got grace from yesterday. You get grace for today. And he even put some on deposit for tomorrow. Tomorrow when you got up, you got grace for yesterday, which is now today. You got grace for that day, which is tomorrow. And then you got grace for the next day as well. What an incredible thing that Jesus went to the cross for that very reason. I want you to listen to the three questions that were asked during the passage that I read. Look at this man. What kind of Messiah is this? He saved others. Why can't he save himself? And number three, why he wouldn't drink of the gall of bitterness. So let's look at question number one from a religious leader. What kind of Messiah is this? Oh, that's one of the greatest questions ever asked. What kind of Messiah is this? One of the greatest questions ever asked. I want you to think about this just for a second, because Jesus didn't come just as Messiah. Jesus came as a baby. Uh, Heidi and I just had a our family in our house. It's been, a, it's been a minute since we've had babies in our house. And so we had a baby in our house. Uh, she was 11 months old. It's our great niece. Our great niece was at our house for two or three days. And uh, she wasn't a problem. It was that four and six year old nephews. <laughs> that was the problem. So we, our little great niece, her name is Gemma, and, and she came in. She's, she's petite. So she, like, she looked like she's four months old though she's 11 months old. She's a little, just a little bitty old thing, just itty-bitty, little, little girl. It's been a while. It's been a minute. I held her for a while, too. You know, just, you know that smell, that baby smell? Yeah. That, I don't know what it is. Is it the wipes y'all use, ladies? I don't know what it is, just that, ba- that new baby smell. She had it, and then, and then we, we, in our home, Heidi actually had a sink. We had a sink put in our home just to bathe grandbabies. Is this bad or what? We got it bad. We, do we have any grandbabies? No, we ain't got no grand, and we're not mad about it. We're waiting our time. We know that day will come in Jesus name. But we went ahead in faith and put a sink in to bathe grandbabies in. And we took that little baby Gemma cuz it became her bath time and Heidi had the great idea. Why don't we go ahead and practice? And take the sink that one day we'll bathe their grandchildren in, and put that baby in that sink. And then the entire family came in to the room where the. So we all watch with our phones out as baby Gemma got bathed in a sink for grandbabies that ain't even here yet. Talk about faith. So we, look, that baby is dependent upon everybody to be fed, to be bathed, to be changed. It's, God didn't just come as Messiah, he came as a baby. He came as a baby. And then he grew up to be a man. Fully God, fully man. Both parts. Fully God and fully man. And then, then when he became fully man, then he showed us how to become a servant. So we got a baby, a man, a servant. He showed us how to wash feet, to serve. Then he said, I didn't come for the world to serve me. I came to serve the world. I came to serve it, that he would kneel down. And then one day he would even go to die because he didn't want to live without you. You heard Kevin today, right? You heard his message. He didn't want to be without you. And so he would go to a cross because he wanted to be with you. I love what C.S. Lewis said. Christianity is the only story where the hero dies for the villain. Some of you will get that later. Let me say it again. Christianity is the only story where the hero dies for the villain. We're all the villains. We're all the ones who were once against God by the way we lived our lives. And he said, I'm gonna come and die for you anyway. I'm gonna die for the villain. You gotta give God all the praise. Thank you, Jesus. That's what kind of Messiah he is. He's much number two. Question two was, he saved others. Why didn't he save himself? I guess the question is, could he have saved himself? All power was under his authority. Could he have saved himself? The answer is absolutely he could have saved himself. But have you ever noticed this? I'm going to just talk to the men just for a second, but it applies to girls too. You know what real strength is? Is not using your power... To resist pain and suffering, it's using your power and courage to obey God even if it hurts. Real strength is willing to lay down your life and go through the pain for everybody else. By the way, husbands, you know Ephesians 5 does say that we should be willing to lay down our lives for our wives to meet their needs and put them above our very own. How I many you know that's real strength? Not saving yourself, but using your strength to sacrifice yourself. Come on, men. John 15 and 13 says, for the greatest love, the greatest love of all is that, sac- is, is that sacrifices all. And this great love is I uh, love that word. When a person sacrifices his life for his friends, demonstrated. And let me give you number question number 3. Why won't he drink of the gall of bitterness? Just let me explain just for a second just so you'll understand. So while Jesus was on the cross, he did say I'm thirsty. And they took a spear, put it into a sponge, and dipped it. And they call it the gall of bitterness, which was a mixture of vinegar, water. And they put it up to Jesus so he could bite and suck on the sponge, so he could suck on it. It was actually a, a, a mild painkiller. It would be, it'd be. can I get a Tylenol? And so they did that. And, of course, we know that Jesus didn't drink of it. He didn't drink the bitterness some of you will pick this up in a minute. He didn't drink the bitterness. Isn't it amazing how today you, you hear in our culture, in our world, we've got opioids. We've got all kinds, alcohol abuse. We've got all of those things. Uh, it, it, it's, it's rampant in our culture now because people are simply trying to numb the pain of their life, not realizing that Jesus is the one who can take it all from you. Instead, we try to numb it. I just want to make sure I cover everybody in the room. Bad pastor. Look at Mark 15 and 23. said, they offered him a mild painkiller, a drink of wine mixed with gall, but he refused to drink it. When we're in pain, drinking in the pain of bitterness seems to soothe us for a moment. This goes back to last week's message. When you go, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to be mad at them. I'm going to say something back. I'm going to show them a sign. They hurt me. Now let me hurt them. Drinking in the pain of bitterness seems to soothe for the moment and dulls our pain. But all we're drinking we're doing is drinking death to ourselves and to others we love, not affecting the person that we're bitter with. You've heard me say it this way, when you you will not forgive, you're drinking poison expecting them to die. You're only drinking the poison yourself. Instead, Jesus wouldn't drink of it, giving us a sign. Let's get to that criminal. Because there were two. There was one who asked the question, save yourself and save us. And then there was the other. Let me reread it again. Luke 23, 42 and 43. Then he said, I beg of you, Jesus. Here's the, I guess we would call him the good criminal. Show me grace. Say grace with me. Grace. Show me grace grace and take me with you into your everlasting kingdom and jesus responded i promise you this very day you're going to enter with me into paradise so this is this is what we would call one of those deathbed confessions one of those one of those that got it right right at the last moment he already stated before in, in this chapter in Luke, he already stated that I've deserved what we're getting. He was a thief. I, I, I have been Justice has been served in my life. I'm getting what I deserve, so he doesn't have a chance to get off the cross and go back and live a good life. And yet Jesus is saying to him, "No, today you're going to be with me in heaven. Isn't that an incredible? No that's the kind of God you really want. You, you don't want the God who weighs and measures good versus bad, how good were you or how bad were you. You don't want that kind of God. You don't want the kind of God who gives you what you deserve. The Bible says there's none of us that's good. No, not one. Ooh, and that our righteousness is as filthy rags as unto the Lord. So there's none of us that are good. We're all in need of Grace. So is it possible to ask Jesus into your life and repent at the very end of your life and you be saved and born again? Yes. The answer is yes, it is. Well, but, but I don't think that's a good program to be on, though. <laughs> By the way, if you're here today and you're going, well, you know, I got time. No, no one's guaranteed any time. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Jesus answered that question, didn't he? You know, at the end of every service, I'll give you an opportunity, right? Y'all know what I'm going to do at the end of service. How many of y'all know what I'm going to do at the end of this? You're going to say, every head bad, bowed. <laughs> and then what I say after that? <laughs> every eye closed. If you're here today, right, I'm going to go through it. Then, and then I'm going to say, would you pray this prayer with me? Yes. Meet it from your heart. It's not magic. And then I say it and you say it with me. You know, part of the reason why you, why do we do it the same all the time? One of the things that we hope, and that you don't have to do it the same all the time, but one, and sometimes I don't, but one of it is that I hope that you're learning too, so that if you're ever in a spot where somebody goes, I want to give my life to Jesus, you can lead them because you go, I know how to do this. I've been listening to it every Sunday, every head bowed and eye closed. It's just me, but I don't know, but everybody head bowed. How can someone be saved or born again at the end of their life, no matter how they lived? Grace. So let's take just a moment and talk about grace. I want want to give you just three thoughts on grace. Number one, we are saved by grace. No, no, you, you got to get this. You're saved by grace. No, no, you didn't get it. You're saved by grace. One more time. You're saved by grace. What, what does that mean? What, what, what does that mean? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Let me walk you through this. For by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation okay so if there's nothing that you did to earn it is there anything that you didn't do can keep you from it some of us many in this room in this region you were raised in a tradition that says it's not just by grace it's by works it's it's a fifty fifty. You you got to get to fifty percent of the grace, and you got to get to fifty percent of the work. You got to go to work. You got to you got to show it. The, what James said, for you know, without works, faith is dead. That that is true. It, it's not to separate that scripture out. What I'm saying to you, it is by grace that I'm saved. Until I get this revelation, it is by grace. It was for it was the I love this the love gift of God from God that brought us to Christ. What does that mean? It means you didn't even choose him. That he chose you first. That he wanted, he set up the circumstances around your life. The people that invite, maybe invited you even to come to church here. Maybe even today that it was God working, trying to give you the love gift to bring you to Christ. He started it all. You didn't choose God. God chose you. You just surrendered after He chose you. No, you didn't get it. Y'all yeah, still ain't get it. Because if you did, you'd shout me down, run around the church. Grace. Watch this. It goes on to say, "It was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works." Or human striving. You mean I don't have to earn it? No, I don't have to do anything to get it, other than believe in faith. You just got to be in faith that that's why Jesus died to give you something. You go. Well, that means we don't have to do anything. No, no, it's not about it. I don't. You don't have to do anything. If you truly got born again by grace through faith, you will want to do good works. It's a matter—it's not a matter of having to. No, you'll want to. I, I, I don't want to do something now. I've I, I received this grace by God. Now I want to, not I have to. Somebody picking up when I'm laying down this morning. So if you can't be good enough to earn it, then you can't ever be bad enough not to receive it. And at criminal is our testimony that even in the final hour, God is still extending grace to every single one of us. Let me give you number two about grace. Salvation is a gift, not an award or a reward. Salvation is a gift. It's not an award or a reward. Look at Romans 5, 16 and 18. And this free-flowing gift imparts to us much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Adam. Remember, this is how this all went wrong in the garden. Ladies, I think you get a bad rap because we always say, you know, Eve, it was Eve. The Bible in the New Testament doesn't, doesn't, doesn't point back to Eve and go, well, it was a woman. No, no, it points back to who? Adam. Adam. What does that mean to us? What's that saying to us? Men, God's going to hold you responsible for your family. I don't think the first sin was the sin of commission. I don't think it's what Eve did was considered the first sin. I think the first sin was the sin of omission. That's a sin too. When you know the good that you should do, but you do not do it, that could be considered sin as well. I think the problem was that Adam was out at the duck camp. I'm sorry, Tulsa, did I say that? I didn't mean duck camp. I meant, I meant deer camp. No, no, he, he wasn't doing his job. He, he shouldn't have, been let, he, he, when the snake came in, the serpent Satan should have came in and Eve starts the conversation. Adam was there. Adam should have said, no, no, baby, I got this because husbands know what to do with snakes. Kill them. There ain't no good snake. Don't, don't come tell me there's a good snake. There is no such thing as a good snake. You go, don't kill that snake. It ain't poisonous. How many of you know I don't care? Only good snake is a dead snake. Can I get an Amen. Watch this. This free-flowing gift imparts us much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because of one transgression, one, we are all facing a death sentence with the verdict of we're guilty. Be honest. We're all guilty. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are guilty. But watch this. But this gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God. Acquitted with these words, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. guilty. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held, I love this, in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. In other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression So through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available to all people. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't have to strive. No, you don't. Quit striving. I, I don't have to be, do better. You don't have to do better. You, you just got to get the revelation of grace that comes upon all of us when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Yesterday's gone, buried, covered, see a forgetfulness. I got grace for today, and I even put grace on, on your account for your future. It's already there. That should what, should, what difference would that make in my life if I got that? Wait, I don't want to do wrong. Back when Heidi and I decided before we had children, we decided we were going to get dogs to practice. We had two dogs. That was stupid. They were both boys. They were both Labradors. That was stupid. We did not realize that there would be one. We thought, you just grow them up together. That's how it's going to work. No, no, no. So they fought, won, trying to win dominance. We, didn't, we, we were clueless about the alpha male dog. You know, you heard that. And we were like, some of your guys are just going to bless their hearts. <laughs> and it was a fight all, all the time. Fight. They're fighting all the time. Middle of the night fighting in the backyard, right under our bedroom window. One, the, one, one dog, we, we named them Moses and Elijah. We're, they were Christian dogs. No, the one of them was the devil. And Moses became the dominant over Elijah. I think, I can't, I get it mixed up. Moses and Elijah, who cares? I hope they're in heaven. Um, <laughs> Moses and Elijah, I, the only way I could, and please don't get mad at me afterwards, one of the dogs would only, only, only behave if I showed my dominance over him. That, that's the only way you could get that dog to do anything. Was you had to bow up bigger than him. I, there were nights, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but I, I, I hit him. I mean, I was like When that dog is fighting with the other dog, got him on the ground, growling in the middle of the night, right outside your bedroom window... I might have opened a bedroom window, stuck my head out, and punched the dog on top of his head. May or may not. I'm not going to confess to anything. I cannot confirm or deny that happened. And if you have a problem with that, send Kevin Lalonde the email. Please don't send it to the church. I may have. i might have lost control. One was dominated by fear, but the other one... Was just like, what can I do for you, Master? I mean, you just go call his name, Elijah. Come here, Elijah. And he, said, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Sit Elijah, <laughs> that good, that good, that good? What else you want me to do? What else you want me to do? Just love on you, soft, gentle, want to pet all the time, belly rubs, just whatever you wanted to do. One was done, one was led by fear, and the other one was led by. Love, which one do you want to be? Which one is a happier life, a peaceful life? To be dominated by fear or to be dominated by love? God did not come, Old Testament, there was the law. But in the New Testament, there is grace. And he said, I want you to come and I want you to be led by grace not led by the law. That's the God we serve. What a God. Amen? Watch this. What's Paul teaching us in this passage? I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, revealed in his word alone, and for the glory of God alone. Let me give you number three about this grace. If you're born again, I love this. This is amazing. Come help me big. If you're born again in this room, and you know if you are. the, the fact, the Bible says that your spirit is witness to his spirit, that you are born again. If you're born again, God sees you like he sees Jesus. No, he don't, he don't see to you. He'll see Monday morning you, before coffee you. How many of y'all like me? Before coffee, don't even talk to me. Thank you, Jesus, for coffee. I just want to give God praise. Praise break. Thank you for coffee, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's partake together. God sees you like he sees Jesus. There's, There's a verb. It's justified have you ever heard of justification you ever heard that justification that God has justified us and I think the best definition of justified is if you say it like this it's just as if I'd justified just as if I'd just as if I'd what it's just as if I'd had never sinned that God now sees me justified because of jesus not because of me that i'm justified in him just as if i'd never sinned no 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 you're here today if you're born again he has justified you it's just as if you'd never sinned it's it's called him there's a, there's a big word for it called imputed righteousness, to put something on somebody else that they didn't deserve. It now becomes theirs. And that when Jesus died and rose again, and you got born again, he took his righteousness. He took your sin, I call this the great exchange. He takes your sin as his gift, and he gives you his righteousness as your gift. No, no, you're right with God. Today, you can be, you're right with God. You go, I'm right with God, because of grace. Not because of anything I've done. I don't have to strive to get it. Watch this. 2019. Actually, January of 2020. I got a phone call. Pastor Jacob. Hey, Pastor Jacob. Man of God. LSU's in the national championship. World's greatest football season in the history of mankind he goes national championships at the superdome in new orleans he said i'm going i said that's great praise god we got tickets me and my family we're going he goes i got one extra ticket do you want to (laughs) go before i could say yes i said pastor jacob listen I'd love to go. I've been to two other national championship games, LSU. Both times I went, they won. The time I didn't get to go, the third time they were in, since we lived here, they lost. So I'm like the secret to the sauce. <laughs> if I go, they win. That's, what, that's how it works. He said, you want to go? I said, I can't. What what do you mean you can't come? What do you mean you can't come? I got an extra ticket. I said, because my son. I said, you know, if you found another ticket, yes. But if you don't, give it to somebody else who's never been. I've been to two. They won. They probably won't win if I don't go. But give it some mail. All right, man of God. About an hour later. Man of God, you want to go to the national championship game? Pastor Jacob, if you got another ticket, I got another ticket. So you do? You got two tickets. Here's what I want you to do. Pick up Cletty Keith. So that's Cletty Keith. That's Pastor Jacob's spiritual father. He's kind of like, he's like one of my Heidi's two spiritual heroes. He loves him some Heidi. <laughs> he don't care less about me. He love Heidi. He, he's told Heidi. He's prophesied over Heidi. Heidi, or told her, not prophesied. Told her, he said, Heidi, you need to go to the United Kingdom. Great Britain. The churches there and need you. You need to go to the United Kingdom. I'm gonna set up some meetings for you to preach in Great Britain, you need to go there. Eugene, I don't want you preaching, you can go, but don't, (laughs) Heidi needs to preach. I'm like, I'll just carry her bags. But he's one of our heroes. He goes, pick up Cletty, and then y'all go stop by the airport in uh, Baton Rouge and pick up, no, New Orleans, go by the airport in New Orleans and pick up Darius Daniels. So I go, me, William, Cletty Keith and Darius Daniels are going to spend the entire day together and we're going to go to the national championship. How I many of you know I could have died and went to heaven after the, after, the, after the game was over. I could have said, take me, Lord, take me. i am just, and uh, so Chris, my son is all, he's all jacked up. He's like, oh my God, Cletty Keith. I mean, he's, he's more excited about riding with Cletty Keith than anything. And if you've ever rode in a car with Cletty Keith, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, 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 it's phenomenal. And uh, so we, we, get to go, we get to go do that. I get there. My seats are about from here to the sound booth to the field, on about the 43-44-yard line. Behind the Tigers. Good seats. I'm balling. Williams is him and he sits with Amber Lee, Aranza, him and Amber Lee about 10 rows up closer on about the 48-yard line. His seats are better than my seats. But I'm seated with Cletty and Darius, so I'm, I'm cool with it. He's sitting down there. He's watching the game down there. So I get to... So I go, How does my son end up with better seats than me? Wait a minute. The only reason why he's at this game is because of me because i went and then i started thinking wait a minute wait how does how does he get how did he get does he realize how he got to this game that this game wasn't by anything he's done he didn't even get the call he was he wasn't even in the conversation that boy couldn't afford that ticket He spent two years to afford that ticket he's sitting probably a $30,000 seat he's sitting right there. And I'm just thinking, does he quite realize that it has nothing to do with who he is, but has everything to do with who I am? How does he get that? Let me tell you something, these national championship games, it, it it ain't like Tiger Stadium. Those sections of seats are the people who can afford those seats. That ain't people that are normally out there Saturday night, LSU, sitting up in the nosebleed. That's rich folk. And there him and Amber Lee are sitting. Do they realize how they got there? It's not because of anything they've done. It's because of what I've done. Oh, it gets better. And then I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. I'm sitting in this seat next to Cletty Keith and Darius Daniels, Dr. Darius Daniels, right next to Dr. Ali. And I'm sitting in these seats, and I'm going, not because of anything I've done, because of what Pastor Jacob has done It's called imputed righteousness That you get something that you don't deserve not because of anything you have done or have not done That it's imputed upon you because of the work of someone else Listen to me. You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation You are set apart to declare the praises of God you are kings you are the head you're not the tail you are born again more than a conqueror set apart by god not because of anything you have done you got 50 yard line seats 20 rows back just so you can see over the players not too close not too far you got the perfect seat not because of anything we've done but because of what jesus done he deserves our highest praise the very best praise give it to him thank you lord for your grace thank you it's all you you did it all you did it all you paid it all what a messiah it is we serve thank you for the goodness of our god thank you for your grace amazing grace how sweet the sound that would save a wretch like me i once was lost but now i'm found but now, I can see, oh, listen to me. If you can get the revelation of grace, you go, what about those works? Oh, no, 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 see, works work, works will happen. You don't have to make them happen. You just need to have the understanding of God's amazing grace. Because of that grace, something grows inside of me. And I begin to produce good works, not because I'm trying or striving, because my heart has been changed by his amazing, amazing grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray, would you just lift your hands to heaven? I want you to, can I just get you to declare a few things today? Just declare it. Sometimes you need to, sometimes you need just to preach to yourself. Would you just say this with me? I am the righteousness of Christ now say it again I am the righteousness of Christ would you just declare this when God sees me he sees Jesus declare this as Jesus is now so am I I am his favorite child oh I disagree with you there I think I'm his favorite child no no say it I am his favorite child I am his favorite child child. I am his favorite child. Listen to me, just remember, Jesus is on the cross. There's one on this side that is rejecting him and there's one on this side that is receiving and repenting. And we get our choice of which side of the cross we're going to be on. One jeered him, and one joined him. We get our opportunity this morning. Thank you for your grace, Father. Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Ah, oh, grace. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Lord, would you help us to stop striving and start being Stop working and just be. May we have the revelation of your incredible grace. May it flood our soul today. Fill us fresh and new with the understanding of the revelation of grace. Thank you for your grace. Forgive us for our spiritual pride, our religiosity, to think if we do more, we'll be more instead of just being. Lord, would you help us? Would you help us to fall in love with you and your grace and thank you for it? We're sitting in seats we did nothing for. We don't deserve it, Ah, but we could never deserve it. Thank you for your thank you for your grace thank you for righteousness not by anything we've done but by what Jesus has done with every head bowed and every eye closed you know how I'm going to finish right you might be in this room which thief are you are you going to jeer him or are you going to join him he loves you oh pastor you don't know what I've done Yeah, when you can't do anything to get it, and you can't be bad enough not to receive this grace. He'll forgive you of everything you've ever done. He'll make yesterday go away. Yesteryear go away. He'll make your life go away. And he'll give you grace for today. he'll put into your account grace for tomorrow and and the next day 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 why don't you surrender your life to him just give it up quit fighting why are you fighting him why do you keep rebelling against him why don't you just surrender unclench your fist I see somebody with just in the spirit your fists are just clenched all the time could you just unclench your fist just let go and let God take your life he loves you how do you do it first you admit that you're a sinner and you need his grace B, believe in faith that Jesus came and gave his life on a cross to pay for our sin. Yours and mine. Believe that. And then see. just confess him as the Lord. That means make him the boss. Surrender to him. Let him in. Let him have your life. And follow him. Just do what he says. Oh, he'll lead you to green pastures, still waters. You'll have peace in your life. Just do what he says. Just because of this grace. If that's you today, I want to pray with you. You're ready to be born again. You don't even have to raise your hand. Just Let's say it together, church. In light of grace, maybe for each of us, it'll mean different this time. Would you say this with me? Dear Lord Jesus. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go, and that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. So today, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins to be born again. Let's Mm -hmm. declare, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Mm -hmm. And heaven is my home. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we give God all the praise? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus.